Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, we're going to be talking about the fake news surrounding the Michael Cohen and Robert Mueller's special counsel investigations. Bert Schlichter joins me to recap the week, and Amanda Head and I dig into a break-in at Governor Jerry Brown's home, Tom Brokaw, and the group formerly known as the Boy Scouts of America. Plus, border crossing, illegal border crossings on our southern border were up 233% in April from the same period last year. I'm going to tell you why. The mainstream media just can't help itself. It's like a, a dog salivating over a bone. Whenever they potentially get any little sliver of red meat that appears to be damaging to Donald Trump, anyone around Donald Trump, it doesn't matter if it's the nephew of the housekeeper in a Trump hotel, the mainstream media will dig into their life, ruin their life, and make sure that their life is ruined for posterity. So it should come as no surprise when yesterday, NBC further embarrassed itself. NBC News reported that uh, Donald Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, had been wiretapped by the FBI. And then in one of those calls, it was Donald Trump calling Michael Cohen from the White House that he was caught on a wiretap. Well, officials in the government looked at this, shook their heads, and it was even too much for them, even too much for the deep staters who were out to dethrone, I shouldn't even say dethrone, because Trump has acted more like a president than anyone, Obama acted like a king, who were out to destroy Trump's presidency. NBC reported this. Well, shortly thereafter, the reporter, Tom Winter, the investigative reporter at NBC News, and I, I hate to use that term so loosely, investigative reporter at NBC News. He tweeted, and he tweeted this about 6, uh, let's see, 6.30 p.m. last night. Correction. Earlier today, NBC News and this reporter said that Michael Cohen's phone lines were wiretapped. Three senior U.S. officials now dispute that, saying the monitoring was limited to a log of calls, a pen register, not a wiretap of Cohen's lines. We will continue to report. Now, this is a very important distinction. Michael Cohen's phones are what's called trapped, not tapped. A trap just gives you a record of the calls. A tap is when you can listen in on those calls and record them. A significant difference. Now, I'm sick of hearing from the mainstream media things like, well, we don't need to understand the nuances of law enforcement and investigative tactics. We don't need to understand all these things. Oh, it was a young editorial staffer. They, a young editorial staffer, they didn't know what they were doing, but the meaning is the same. No, no, it is considerably different. One is far more serious than the other. One indicates far more evidence than the other to get the warrant to wiretap. It is a, 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 a critical, uh, uh, an important detail. But even worse, I would never, never have been able to report that, never have been allowed to report that here at The Rebel with the editorial standards we have. My managing editor would never have let me report a story like that on evidence so flimsy, on source material so thin, that it could only be debunked, it could be debunked only three hours later, four hours later, by three anonymous officials. The anonymous sources were enough to debunk the original reporting. That's a fundamental problem at NBC News. Now, we're seeing a lot of this since Rudy Giuliani went on Sean Hannity's show and essentially blew the liberal narrative 
that President Trump engaged in some kind of campaign finance cover-up with Michael Cohen. Now, as I told you, I believe it was on yesterday's show, the reason, the reason they're trying to say that Donald Trump and Michael Cohen engaged in this funneling of money is because that's exactly what Hillary Clinton did by funneling money through her law firm, Perkins Coie, to Fusion GPS to pay for the Steele dossier. Well, now Giuliani is doubling down, and that's probably why NBC News needed to get a story out. They needed to overshadow the things Giuliani was saying. Giuliani is now saying that Jeff Sessions could close down the Mueller probe. This from Fox News. Giuliani is saying that special counsel, uh, that Attorney General Jeff Sessions, could close, or to use, quote, close, special counsel Robert Mueller's probe. And I suspect this is why the fake news is ramping up about Michael Cohen. Whenever there, there's a solid case to end Mueller's probe, whenever a piece of evidence or material information surfaces to end it, the mainstream media miraculously finds something more damning, always based on anonymous sources, on Trump and company. So Giuliani from Fox News says, <clears throat> excuse me, session should close special counsel Robert Mueller's probe, a call that comes from Giuliani amid GOP pressure on Capitol Hill to find out whether the investigation has gone beyond its original mandate. Giuliani said, quote, the basis of the case is dead, meaning Russia collusion. Sessions should step in and close it. He's 100% right. Giuliani went on to say, he said this on Hannity, there's been too much government misconduct. The crimes now have all been committed by the government and their agents. He's right. He is right. Now, Rosenstein wrote a letter and he wrote a well a letter, but Rosenstein generated work product that reads in part, quote, on May 17th, 2017, I, Rod Rosenstein, issued an order entitled Appointment of Special Counsel to Investigate Russian Interference of 2016 Presidential Election and Related Matters. He appointed, uh, oh, he wrote this to, I'm sorry. He wrote this to Mueller, appointing you to serve as special counsel for the United States Department of Justice. This is the scope memo. The order drafted by Rosenstein to Mueller uh, states that Mueller is authorized to conduct an investigation, quote, confirmed by then FBI Director James B. Comey. Confirmed by then FBI Director James B. Comey in testimony before the House Intelligence Committee on March 20, 2017, including, quote, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of Donald Trump and any matters, any matters that arose or may arise directly from that investigation. You don't get the Stormy Daniels from Russia collusion. You just don't get there. You don't get there. It's not a direct connection. They looked at Michael Cohen going to Prague. Michael Cohen said he was never in Prague. That should have been it. But they dug a little deeper on Cohen and they were never supposed to do that. That's the problem. Now, Rosenstein then includes a, a more extensive list with a more specific description. <clears throat> and a lot of this is redacted. Now, Rosenstein is lashing back out saying he's being extorted. He said, quote, I can tell you that there are people who have been making threats privately and publicly against me for quite some time. And I think they should understand by now the Department of Justice is not going to be extorted. We're going to do what is required by the rule of law and any kind of threats that anybody makes are not going to affect the way we do our job. In a perfect world, that would be correct. 
I would agree with Rod Rosenstein. But I don't agree with Rod Rosenstein. I don't think he's an honest ethical actor. Rod Rosenstein, only a few months back, threatened members of the House Intelligence Committee. You remember that meeting where he kind of implied that if they pushed too far, he might wind up investigating them. Terrible. Now, here's a section. Mueller is saying that he can expand his investigation with DOJ consent. With DOJ consent, with Rosenstein's consent because Sessions is recused. Let me read you that section. Quote, if in the course of his or her investigation, the special counsel concludes that additional jurisdiction beyond that specific in his or her original jurisdiction is necessary in order to fully investigate and resolve the matters assigned or to investigate new matters that come to light in the court of his or her investigation, he or she shall consult with the attorney general who will determine whether to include the additional matters within the special counsel's jurisdiction or assign them elsewhere. Meaning that it's at the discretion of Rod Rosenstein and Jeff Sessions, if Sessions should unrecuse, to look at the additional information that Robert Mueller gives them, and they then say, okay, Bob, you investigated a special counsel, or thank you, that's on your scope, let's bring this inside DOJ. Now, Rosenstein appears to have done that with Michael Cohen. He brought it in and gave it to the Southern District of New York. But it begs the question, why was Mueller looking as far as he was? Well, a lot of this goes back to fake news. The mainstream media, the Steele dossier, they keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And I believe they're now working in concert with Democrats like Adam Schiff and Ted Lieu, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Robert Mueller, Rod Rosenstein. The deep state is alive and well. The mainstream media appears to be its communications and PR wing. And one thing is for sure, this is all tainted. This is all unethical. This is all dirty. And I think it is long past time, long past time to heed Rudy Giuliani's advice and find a way for the Department of Justice to shut down Robert Mueller without it blowing back on the President of the United States and his team who have done absolutely nothing wrong. Such a busy week of news. Rudy Giuliani's interview, and now NBC News has to do a massive retraction about Michael Cohen being wiretapped. Joining me now to make sense of this is Kurt Schlichter, trial lawyer extraordinaire and a fellow rebel. Kurt, let's jump right into Rudy Giuliani. You're a trial lawyer. You know how this stuff works. Do you think Giuliani's interview with Sean Hannity the other night hurt Trump, helped Trump? I don't think it makes any difference at all. I, I, I like seeing the never Trumpers going through their little uh, uh, failgasms. They are losing their minds over this. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, they are so desperate to find something to undo the results of the election. It's insane. And, you know, oh, Rudy Giuliani has completely destroyed Trump. Uh, you know, every time I hear that, I just laugh because Trump's still there. And you know what happened today that's totally unimportant except to normal people? Lowest number of unemployment claims in 45 yeah, years. Almost, almost half a century. The lowest almost number of unemployment in almost half a century. But you know what's, what's important? Some stripper. Oh, the stripper is, is, is supremely important. But here's the thing about the stripper, and here's why I think what Rudy did was brilliant. And I'm not being a cheerleader for Trump. You and I speak enough offline. When he needs to be critiqued, he gets critiqued. Giuliani took all the winds, wind out of the sails of criminality. 
Giuliani went out there and he said, yep, he paid his lawyer out of personal funds. His lawyer cut the deal and settled and advanced the money. Maybe it's distasteful. Maybe the evangelicals will have moral problems with it. Maybe well, they sure have a lot of problems when I laughed about it today on Twitter. Right. Maybe people have ethical problems with it, but none of that is criminal. Nothing well, remotely criminal about that. Well, here's the, here's the problem these people face. They changed the rules 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was outraged about Bill Clinton lying about sex. Right. 20 years ago. And I've gone through two decades of being told it's not important. So I'm going to play by those rules. Now, I... My personal feelings about it deep inside really don't matter. What matters to me are things like real people having a chance to support their families, uh, job claims at 45-year lows. I, I like North, to North and South Korea. Yeah, North and South Korea, the, uh, North, talking peace after seven decades. Yeah, the North and South Korean ping pong teams are getting together. Yeah, tens of, tens of thousands of young Americans may not die in another horrible Korean exactly. war. Now, maybe I'm biased because... I was a soldier. I led those uh, uh, young people. Right. But when there's a chance that tens of thousands of Americans don't die, I've got to put that down as heavier than a dude at a one night stand with some stripper 10 years ago and paid her a few bucks to shut up. And then, of course, she didn't shut up. His wife doesn't even seem to care about this. Look, he's a billionaire. Is it a shock to anyone's system that the celebrity billionaire might have had some strange on the side? I don't think anybody cares about this. Look, the fact is Donald Trump's uh, uh, personnel, personal choices were baked into the mix. We could take a guy who we knew did something, lived the way that you and I probably wouldn't choose to live, or we could take the woman who lived the way you and I didn't choose to live and who wanted to take all our rights. So right. I'm pretty comfortable with my choice. And I, you know, and John, I'm not a moralist, Kurt. I've never been a moralist. If you do the job that you're paid to do and, and your past transgressions, don't creep into that job. I couldn't care less what you did. As long as you didn't go out there, as long as you weren't a cocaine trafficker, as long as you didn't molest children or murder 14 people, who you screwed around with, I couldn't care less. Well, you know, I, I, was, a lot, I was a lot more of a moralist 20 years ago, and then I realized that's simply not the rule. And I refuse to be a sucker. I refuse to play uh, a two-track system where I'm tied up in knots and trying right. to to protect my liberty uh, because somebody else has done things that I don't like when those rules aren't applied to my opponents. I refuse well, to be a well, that, well, that's it. And I, I've often said it on Twitter. You and I think uh, quite a bit alike. This whole take the high road narrative these days really only serves to have your Achilles tendon slashed. Well, e exactly. The high road ends with Americans being free that's and right. prosperous. That's right. And that's, however we that's get the there, high road. The, and any, any, anything that gets in the way of that, right. I'm going to fight. And if it takes a guy who lives a lifestyle that neither you nor I particularly approve of, uh, then that's the weapon system I'm going to employ. I, you know, I keep hearing all you care about is winning. Well, I do care about winning. And maybe people, you know, maybe the Jeb Rubio crew ought to start caring about winning because then maybe people will listen to them instead of knowing, knowing that it's just a long, messy slide to surrender and submission. Look, they would much rather, they would much rather lose in smug sanctimony and wear a little patch that says, hi, hi my name is conservative purity than they ever would win. If they well, can wear that little patch. The thing is they can, John. 
because they know that they're preserving their power and prestige. You know, Jeb is always going to get invited to the parties. Rubio's always going to have friends. That's right. Uh, but what about the rest of us? What about those people who care that we're at a 45-year low for unemployment claims? Well, Those you know, are, I'm tired of caring about a bunch of smug pseudo-conservatives, conservatives owe convenience, the cruise ship cons, right. the Fredo cons, uh, who, who use this as a, uh, uh, as a resume builder and a gimmick. I'm concerned about real people and real lives. And those are the ones that not only is Donald Trump making uh, more prosperous, but he may be keeping them alive. He may be keeping them alive. Well, look, the biggest mistake Donald Trump ever made, quite frankly, and I put it squarely on the shoulders of Paul Manafort, was asking Marco Rubio to jump back into the Senate race. We were rid of Marco Rubio. Florida had a couple of hardcore, this guy Carlos Baruf was the front runner, friend of Governor Scott. He's a friend of Trump's. He kind of has the same rhetoric. He was rough around the edges, but he was a hardcore conservative. And Paul Manafort convinced Donald Trump to reconcile with Marco Rubio brought Marco back into the race. Marco won. He ran right back under John McCain's skirt. And the rest is history. And now we have Marco Rubio complaining that tax reform does too much for corporations. And who's celebrating it? Chuck Schumer's chief of staff. That's what the Fredo cons have given us. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's annoying. Uh, there, there's this whole crew of people who don't understand. This is not just a game. This is not just about who gets the best parking space on Capitol Hill. All right, these are real people's lives. And when you leave Washington, when you leave West Los Angeles, uh, there are real people out there whose lives are improving because of Donald Trump. And there are many, many, many tens of thousands of American families who will not have, who may not, may not have to bury a son or daughter. That's right. Because we have a shot. And I, I do not trust. Kim Jong, whatever the hell his name is, uh, as far as I can throw him, which is not far because he's a hefty dude. He's a, he's a little chunky. Little chunky. He's a little chunky. And, but I'm willing to roll the dice and, get, and, and give it a shot for peace because I know what it, I, I've been there when American soldiers died. I don't like it. But, but that's it, Kurt. I right? like it, John. You've got to give it a shot. And this is further than we've ever gotten. And, and the reason it's being downplayed, we both know why this is being downplayed, being downplayed because the left is mortified. Team Obama is mortified. That's the only reason, well, you can't trust. Look, we know we can't trust Trump. I don't trust him. Knows he can't trust him. I don't trust him. You don't trust him. But you got to see what, what happens. You got to give it a shot. I trust his survival instinct because, as my brilliant town hall article uh, of uh, Thursday said, uh, uh, Donald Trump is understands how to use uh, and threaten to use military force, and I That's think right. North Koreans figured out. You know, maybe we're up against somebody who's not a pushover, who isn't feckless, who isn't riddled with self doubt, right? Uh, who's maybe a little crazy. Okay. Maybe we ought to rethink this whole thing and get the best deal we can. Look, you got to go back. I, I tried to tell somebody this today. Leapfrog backward over Obama. Do you remember? I know you remember. And for the audience, a question. Remember when Jeb, uh, uh, George W. Bush was caught on a hot mic talking to Tony Blair about North Korea, and they caught Bush saying to Tony Blair, you got to tell China to tell him to stop the... <clears throat> and he was caught saying... And he knew that. Every president knew that. Trump is the first one to put the screws to China with tariffs to get him to tell North Korea to stop the... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of means to exercise power. And Trump uses all, Trump's serious about it. It's not a game to him. 
Right. In the same way, it's a game to a That's lot right. of these professional, right. you know, establishment types. And he's making real change for people. You know, according to at least one poll, Trump's at 50-49 approval. And, and when I read these polls, and I love when, when a lot of these Fredo cons on the left says to me, you don't understand waiting in polls. I ran a data company. I understand data polling waiting better than any of them. And I look at these polls, and even with the waiting, the way the waiting is done is flawed. The sampling metho methodology is flawed. It's based on a 2012 Obama-esque model. If these polls accurately represented the population and accounted for waiting in that respect, Trump would be consistently around 55 to 60. You know, again, and we're back to it, Trump is not the example a lot of Americans are going to use for their personal life. No. He's a flawed human being. We all are. His are just on stage. But I am a grown man, and I understand that. And I'm willing to make a choice. Sitting, Evan McMullen is not a choice. Saying nobody is not a choice. That's right. Some random third-party libertarian. Yeah. And, if you, and if you want to tell me on the moral, go ahead and tell me. I don't care. I'll laugh at you, but go ahead. You know what? I'd rather be called immoral, knowing I'm not, and win, than be called a pure conservative and bang my fist on a table complaining about Hillary and reading National Review and the Weekly Standard while doing so. I would much rather you call me immoral while we keep winning. I, I, look, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to take the hit. Yeah. You know, and look, guys like you and me are not going to be appreciated. The guys who supported Trump in 20 years, these guys, because we're going to go back to living normal lives, these guys are still going to be parasites. They're going to be talking about how horrible we are yeah. while they're living off the corpse of America that Donald Trump, you know, that, that was healthy before. You know what, you know what also drives them you know what also drives them crazy, though, Kurt? Let's be realistic about what also drives them crazy. You and I were never supposed to have the brands we do. We never followed the traditional model, and we never went and we kissed. We never kissed the William F. Buckley and Bill Crystal ring and got approval from the Jonah Goldbergs and the Bill Crystals, and we never got our heads patted, and we were never knighted by them, allowed into the conservative uh, activism, journalism, reporting movement, blogging movement, what have you. We so we were never supposed to be here. We're not supposed well, to be here. The fact well, that's that we're true. Don't you feel this? Because I'm in Los Angeles, you're in Florida. Yeah. Don't you feel this when you're dealing with some of these people? Don't you feel like a little bit of like, who are you? I mean, I get, I get this attitude from freaking millennials. Yep. yep. I, I, got, I got attitude from a millennial earlier today who you know was not even born when I was an actual active conservative. Right. And, and I'm getting conservative lessons uh, from Punky Brewster. And, but and you, know, it, you know what bothers them even more? They, well, claim, they claim to want to be intellectuals, but you and I now, and I hate to say this this way because it sounds a little bit, it sounds a little, you know, a little, a little hokey, but you and I are more famous than most of them now. We make well, better money yeah. than most of them now doing what we do. They can't handle this because we were never supposed, this was we, not we the way it was supposed to be. We aren't supposed to be there. And they don't like our resumes. You were a cop. I was a soldier. That's I'm a right. lawyer. That's right. You know, you ran an actual company. And most of them, you know, did their four-year degree, then got a master's of French literature, yeah. and then did an internship at Weekly Standard. And now they're writing for Free Beacon. That's right. Are we supposed to listen to them? It, I wouldn't let them park my damn car. And you yeah. know my car. It's a very nice it's car. It's a nice car. And I'll tell you what else. There, you there, are a couple of, uh, there are a couple of particularly insufferable never-Trumpers yes, at are. the Free Beacon. 
One in particular who's threatened me. Threatened me. He's a great investigative journalist and he's going to expose me. I said, expose what? Everybody's got, what's that? Is that Gopher? Uh, I think if we're talking about the same guy, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we are. Kind of a fuzzy little guy. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, dude. I mean, it's just, what's your beef? I get so, I mean, I get so much grief about how I'm immoral and terrible. And all I'm thinking is, I'm getting a lot of attitudes by people I didn't see, you know, over in Kosovo when I was, you know, serving our country or over in Desert Storm. I mean, a lot of attitude about people telling me what my morals are when I'm out there doing it and they're here tweeting it. It's terrible. Hey, Kurt, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about fake news. Now, a friend of both of ours, Ryan Saavedra, he writes for Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's site. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan's a good guy. He put out a tweet uh, a little while ago, as, right, actually, as we've been chatting here. Uh, NBC News, he put out four bullet points. It's great. Here's what Ryan tweeted. NBC News falsely reported Trump's lawyer was wiretapped. CNN falsely reported Trump's son colluded with WikiLeaks. ABC News falsely reported Trump told Flynn to meet with Russians during the campaign. Bloomberg falsely reported Mueller issued subpoena, subpoena targeting Trump allies. I mean, the list goes on and on. And today, around 2 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Eastern, I watched Sarah Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' White House press briefing live. The questions she was being asked illustrated, perfectly highlighted why America hates the mainstream media. Well, of course they do. I mean, it's, it, it's ridiculous. These guys, you know, they want the honor and recognition that comes from an accomplished uh, priestly class of neutral uh, truth tellers. Right. They want that kind of honor and reverence that would maybe be appropriate for you know professional truth tellers who dug in and didn't care whose toes they stepped on. Except they don't want to actually do the hard no, work, no, be competent no, or neutral. They they want the respect, but they don't want to actually do the hard stuff, which means saying things that maybe are going to hurt your political allies, uh, right. doing hard digging to find the truth. They don't no, want to do they that. Want, they they want, no want the part glory, of that. and right. they can't have it. They want no part of that. And if the, you know, I had a reporter, I was talking to somebody today, the uh, Broward County schools chief still can't tell anybody where $800 million in a bond appropriation went. A hundred million was supposed to go to schools like Stoneman Douglas for security. When I called that guy out, he blocked me on Twitter. I asked a reporter down here, why aren't you hot on the trail of this 800 million? You know what she said to me? She said, this is Broward County. It's blue. If I were to go after a black Democrat who was friends with Obama and Arnie Duncan, how long do you think I'd be employed here? That's... Right. The media is garbage. Yep. It's garbage. And we all know it. And that makes them mad, too. That, well, you know, here, here's the thing, John. Guys like you, guys like me, we don't respect our betters. We yeah, don't that's defer right. to that's them. Right. We're, we're not impressed by them. You and I laugh at them all the time. Well, boy, I'll be driving home in my fine, fine automobile. I'll give you a call. And we'll just start laughing about these clowns. Right. And they hate that. They because it. it's so much of their self-image to be our superiors. And they're not. Well, that's manifestly our inferiors. And, and we've, we've literally taken sledgehammers to their veneers of austerity on social media. Both of us have. They don't know how to handle that because they're no. so used to being considered intellectual giants and thought leaders. Meanwhile, Kanye West has done more to advance the national dialogue in two weeks than these yeah. thought leaders have done in two decades. Uh, exactly. And, and, you know, Kanye West is not even a conservative. He's a liberal guy. Oh, who, and who I says, care. Yeah. I'm going to think how I want. 
Yeah. And they can't even handle that. It's hilarious. I like how you call them Kanye West. You're a big uh, Conway. You're a big Conway Twitty fan. Oh, right, yeah, it's Conway Twitty uh, rapping. His I literally heard a Kanye song. I might have to do Con uh, Conway Twitty for uh, Halloween one year. His hair was just incredible. He was spectacular. <laughs> He's just a fabulous, fabulous look. Fabulous look. Kurt, as always, a pleasure, my friend. And you can catch Kurt's show here on The Rebel. It's every Thursday, correct? That's right. Every Thursday, and it's really awesome. You guys, if you haven't checked it out, Check it out. Kurt Schlichter, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. Sometimes a story comes along in a sea of really negative news that makes me really, really happy. And so was the case when my good friend and our fellow rebel Amanda Head sent me a story how California Governor Jerry Brown's home, well... It had been, I don't know, occupied by a dreamer. Someone just looking for a better life. Someone who wanted to do the jobs Americans just don't want to do. Amanda, tell us about this, I don't know, let's call it a, a glorious event, a beautiful sight. You know how the immigration activists tell us these migrant, this migrant caravan lining up on the border is a quote unquote beautiful sight. Jeb Bush told us it's an act of love. Tell us about this beautiful act of love that happened in Governor Jerry Brown's house. So, you know, we as conservatives, especially when we're talking to people in the context of illegal immigration and open borders, a lot of us oftentimes use the analogy of, well, you know, you wouldn't leave your car unlocked or your house unlocked. You have to be able to protect what's yours. So a lot of us use that analogy when talking to people about the uh, preposterous nature of just allowing illegals to flood over the border. Well, what happened here in California last week is, I mean, it just completely plays into our hand because a homeless guy, his name is uh, Stephen Seeley, he's 51 years old, um, made his way into Governor Jerry Brown's home because, as he said... He I, I, Amanda, can you do me a favor on my show and use the proper terms? You're talking about an unresidented citizen, correct? I, I, it actually doesn't talk about his immigration status. No, 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 not immigration, an unresidented citizen. He's a citizen without resident. Oh, let's call him an unresidented person. I prefer the term hobo or squatter. How about wino? Can we say wino? Uh, maybe, well, he just, might, he just might, be a meth, he might be a meth head. We don't know. It's probably, um, what is that stuff? That that rapper used to drink, like he spelled oh, it. Oh, Cezira, uh, a purple drink. Scissor, yeah, NyQuil and, or no, Zero. codeine. Codeine and NyQuil, yeah, NyQuil, codeine, and a little Kool-Aid or something, Scissor. So I'm sure this guy doesn't have a prescription for codeine, so it's yes, probably yes. NyQuil. But anyway, his name is Stephen Seeley, he's 51 years old, and he broke into the governor's mansion because, as he said, Governor Jerry Brown seems like an open-door kind of guy. Right? Okay, so it, there's no problem, right? Jerry Brown embraced him. Jerry Brown, uh, I, I would guess... Gave him free health care, gave him a benefits Absolutely. check, gave you him uh, tuition, right? If he wanted to go back to school, gave him free tuition. And, and I was thinking about stay. this yesterday, and I'm like, this actually, I mean, this, I love it, but it puts Jerry Brown in a really uncomfortable situation because he has two choices. He can either, um, you know, continue on with this, this ridiculous narrative that he has that California is open arms and open borders and open everything, and he can say, okay, well... I'm going to pay for this guy to get an apartment. So he can do that. But then how many people are going to come after that and say, okay, I want one too. Do I just have to break into your home? Or right, right. does he 
Does he fess up to the fact that keeping locks on our doors and security at our border is actually what we ought to be doing? Now, here in California, we our immigration issues, you know, are are off the charts. We've got, I think, the la- the latest I heard, two point nine million illegal immigrants. It costs us over ten billion dollars a year, and yet Jerry Brown is still in love with the idea of of allowing our borders to just be flooded across. Now, John, you know about 50% of federal sentences, federal crimes take place on or near the border. So obviously the border is an issue. The wall is an issue. Uh, Considering 50% of those crimes could be shut down or uh, come close to shut down if we actually had a wall. That seems to help that argument. But Jerry Brown, of course, is not in favor of that. But then on top of that, we've got... Uh, what is it called? SB 174. Our state senator, Ricardo Lara, introduced legislation a couple weeks ago that would allow illegal immigrants in the state of California to serve on state and local boards. So not only wow. are we. And, and that state legislator's first name is Ricardo. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, so, Mr. Ricardo. Ricardo. Uh, sorry, sorry. Miss Ms. Heard you in my earbud. Yeah not only wants illegals to be able to come into our state, soak up our resources, but now he also wants them to actually influence policy. Oh, of course they do. Look, these are all the people who are funded by La Raza via, you know, like, funded by George Soros, I should say, really, really, right? Via groups like La Raza, Pueblos and Fronteras, all of these illegal immigrant groups. You know, Amanda, yesterday I was talking to somebody and I posited that we should be charging the people who run La Raza, the people who run Pueblos and Fronteras, especially that guy, forget his name, the one who essentially you know, acted like the band leader and marched that illegal alien caravan up to the U.S., we should be charging them with federal criminal conspiracies. They should be charged under the RICO statute every bit as much as a drug lord, every bit as much as a mob boss. They are engaging in wholesale organized criminal activity when it comes to violating our immigration laws. Absolutely, and I'm not buying this narrative of, you know, that these people who are coming in this caravan are weak and broken and scared. They're all guys. Weak and broken and scared. Come into a country looking broken, weak, and scared. They don't come here with picket signs demanding that we cater to their safety. Well, that's right. I mean, first of all, this bar for asylum is way too low. It's way too low. The way it exists now is essentially if you come from a whole nation, our immigration officials essentially say, yeah, your country sucks. You might be persecuted if you go back. Come on in. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But you know what bothers me? When Americans 200 and some odd years ago decided that they were being oppressed by King George, they didn't move to Canada. They picked up guns and they shot back. What is wrong with these people in their countries? They won't fight for their own nation. And I think that's really what strikes at the heart of Americans. I mean, even in the Civil War, the South, your hometown, the Confederacy felt this is our part of America. We're going to fight for it, right? We're going to fight for it. It wasn't about slavery entirely. That was part of it, but it was really about heritage, fighting for a way of life, fighting for heritage. It, it, what is wrong with these people where they flee their country, abandon it, and then expect us to be the welfare check? It's it's that preschool mentality um, you know, they, and you can't have it both ways. Democrats were so just utterly appalled and incredulous when Donald Trump called Haiti an s-hole, and now they're talking about how conditions are so bad in the countries where these people are coming from because they are s-holes, right? Yeah, because oh, they're yeah, listen. 
A good friend of mine does a lot of business in Haiti, guy down here in South Florida. He deals with Haitian officials, Haitian military. Do you know they were cheering what Donald Trump said down there? They said, finally, the world might pay attention. Donald Trump is right. Now we're on the U.S.'s radar. Look at our nation. He's 100% right. What are we going to do about it? And they put it on the people of Haiti. Oh, yeah. One of, one of my old roommates when I lived in West Hollywood is Haitian-American, and her mother was born in Haiti. And she is like one of the staunchest Donald Trump supporters ever since that statement. You know that Haitians in South Florida, Miami-Dade in particular, voted for Donald Trump, I think it was at a rate 38% higher than they did for Barack Obama. Wow. They, were, they were a reason. They were one of the reasons why Donald Trump ultimately won the state of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. What, that's what happens when you have someone who speaks the truth about things instead of glazing over them and pacifying people. Well, right. That, that's exactly it. So how is this situation in Jerry Brown's house adjudicating? Is there any resolution on this yet? Are they having the guy arrested? Um, court? What's going on? I think he was charged with, uh, let's see. I think he was just charged with trespassing. I think they had a little bit of sympathy for him because he claimed that he saw uh, wild animals, lions and cougars on the hmm. street of of sacramento and so he walked or he broke into the home of jerry brown to alert his security detail because he knew they had big big guns wow wow he uh you know what would be even funnier about this story is that if he actually did see lions and cougars and nobody believed him on the streets of sacramento the poor guy <laughs> and he was really warning the governor and everybody just thought he was some crazy dude and they locked him up for it, it would be that would be a real travesty. If they found out after the fact that some animal sanctuary or something had... had uh... Right, right. And like 14 people were then mauled by lions and cougars and nobody listened to this poor guy because hey, they were just worried about locking him up. I didn't care if people were mauled by lions and tigers and bears, am I? All right, let's switch gears to an even creepier place. Women are now coming out of the woodwork claiming that Tom Brokaw was a serial sexual harasser while at NBC. This to me is so bizarre. And now we're seeing stories that there were like uh, these cabals within NBC forcing women to sign letters in support of Tom Brokaw up until like 25 minutes ago. I mean, it's yeah, really, so, really bad. What's going on over there? So the first two allegations, uh, these two women joined forces and published an article, I think, in the New York Times a couple weeks ago, uh, saying that they had been victims of uh, unwanted touching and sexual advances and such. Now, this happened allegedly, I think, in 1992, so in right, the 90s. Right. So not that long ago, but a third woman has come out with allegations similar to the nature of the first two from 1968. Now, I am not a fan of Tom Brokaw. This is a guy that said that liberal yeah, bias— coming out 50 years later. I, uh, come on. Yeah, this is a guy who said that, that liberal bias is an obligation of the media. Right. But, but Alec, really, like, is there is there no— statute of limitations on this type of stuff like you can just come out and basically say no, there is, well there is right in terms of litigation and and criminal charges certainly but right but as far as the yeah. court of public opinion no right there's not i mean well, look there should be right i mean you and i are our barometers of that right now we are staunch conservatives we don't agree with the thing tom brokaw says but no i'm not going to give a half a century old allegation on this guy any credence whatsoever no, and you know these. I think it was sixty women who came together and signed a letter, basically defending his honor. Uh, I don't know the validity well, me, of that. Let me ask you this: They said they felt forced, but when you read the allegations against Brokaw, one woman said that he came up behind her and tickled her. Now, in one context, that could be really creepy. 
In another, it's not Harvey Weinstein-esque. You know, this is somebody you work with every day and you have a friendly rapport and a friendly banter and it's a little frenetic in the newsroom and you come up behind them and you're like, hey, how you doing? And you run your, I mean, maybe it's inappropriate, but does yeah. that rise even, to the level of sexual harassment that should cost somebody their job or jail time? No, even in the context of it being creepy and inappropriate. And this is something that Matt Damon got almost excommunicated from Hollywood for when he said that there are degrees of this type of stuff. Let me just say, as a woman, if a drunk guy at an office party or a bar, some, a bar, someone I don't know, right, if a right. drunk guy walks up to me and squeezes my waist or slaps my butt, or something like that. Um, yeah, it's gross and it's weird and I would probably throw my drink at him, but the the emotional repercussions that I would suffer from that are almost non-existent compared to the emotional repercussions that I would suffer from something like a, like sexual assault or rape. Of so course, bringing of up course. These, bringing up these these tiny instances of of, you know, someone tickling you that muddies the water of people who have legitimate concerns and complaints. I agree. Look, I've always said that. I've always said that people who cry wolf uh, do a real disservice to true victims. Number one, Absolutely. they desensitize the public to it with these frivolous allegations, if they're frivolous. Number two, they tie up law enforcement and, and criminal justice system resources when they can be deployed, when they could otherwise be deployed to go after the real bad guys. And, and that's the problem, right? Ni 1992, somebody said he tickled them. You know, it could have been construed in many, many ways. What's one person's inappropriate is another's, hey, that's my buddy, you know, joking around with me. And then a 50-year-old allegation, that shouldn't even be factored in to the totality of the circumstances. It shouldn't. And honestly, tickling, like, I'd be more pissed off if somebody walked by me and crop dusted me. Tickling is not a big deal. Yeah. I was actually ready to file a complaint against you when you didn't order a second round of shots last time we were in D.C. When I did or didn't? When you didn't. That was, oh. Oh, maybe, maybe it did, and I just forgot because I had two rounds. Maybe I didn't order the second round, but I probably ordered the fifth and sixth round. Yeah, I think that's pretty true. I think you did that. But no, seriously, and I don't like these frivolous uh, allegations. Now, look, when we hear about what Matt Lauer did, that's a little different. That's like trapping yeah. someone in his office with a hidden buzzer. Okay, that's a special kind of weirdo. That warranted the action taken. Harvey Weinstein should be spending the rest of his life in a jail cell. Roman Polanski should be in a jail cell for the rest of his life. But I don't know, tickling somebody outside the clothing, maybe they, you know, we don't know if she was flirting with him. We don't know if they had a flirtation going on. We don't know what was going on back then. But man, to come forward 26 years later, somebody else 50 years later, and no one's really alleging, unless I've missed something, Amanda, no one's really alleging anything from Tom Brokaw beyond that, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's almost a symptom of our culture in general, this conflation of, uh, you know, degrees of severity. We, we've seen this. We saw it throughout the, the 2016 election season with the term racism. Uh, people, right. people would call someone a racist for something completely innocuous. And now, as a result, when you call someone a racist, it really doesn't even hurt because it's like, wow, that's just that's that's the argument that you resort to when you don't have something substantial to offer. It's true, though, isn't it? That everybody's a racist, a xenophobe. So I guess this makes Jerry Brown a xenophobe, right? Because he's not homeless and he doesn't understand them. I guess his filing charges on this Stephen guy makes him a xenophobe. He's 1% of the 1%. Jerry Brown's a wealthy man. He was married to Linda Ronstadt, wasn't he? Yeah. So everybody is uh, a sexual assaulter. Yeah, because there's no there's no degree of difference between any of those things. All right, lastly, because we have to touch on it. I'd be remiss if I didn't. I did it on the show yesterday. 
The Boy Scouts are no more. They're not the Scouts. BSA, the Transgender Scouts of America. Maybe I don't know what is going on here. Were you a Girl Scout? I was. Okay. Isn't this supremely offensive to the Girl Scouts of America? Doesn't this try to poach their membership? Or is this really designed for transgenderism as a Girl Scout? It's disgusting all the way around. I, my brother was a Boy Scout and he became an Eagle Scout. Two of my girlfriends from Auburn live in Orange County. And I actually saw this coming because one of them, her boys are in Boy Scouts in Orange County. And there is a woman who is running, she's a Democrat running for state assembly that demanded that the boy that hurt that my friend's son's Boy Scout troop allow her daughter to be a part of it. So I actually saw this coming six months ago when that happened. But it's disgusting. And there is something, there's something so healthy and and enriching about young boys hanging out together and learning. It, it, it's it's the way you become a normal guy. Yeah. Like I hung out with the Dude, same, look, how to build a fire, learning right. how to tie knots, like things like that. And even in Girl Scouts, we did, we did similar things. Right. Um, and, and when you take that away and when you, when you smash everyone together and you know, what are you going to do when you go off to, to 4-H camp together? Or excuse me, Boy Scouts. You know, you know what this is about. This isn't about boys, and you're really offended at this. You're more. Are you more offended at this, or would you be more offended if I bought you a roll tide sweatshirt? This, shockingly. <laughs> yeah. Now listen. This is uh, this is all about destroying traditionalism. This is all yeah. about eradicating traditional gender roles. But really, the most sinister part of this agenda is about telling little boys you're a terrible fledgling rapist. You are toxic. Your masculinity is toxic. How dare you have been born a boy? You're probably a racist and a xenophobe as well. You're most definitely a misogynist. Therefore, we need to completely emasculate you and bring you down to the same level as everybody else, even that kid who doesn't know what they are. And here's here's my last point. Liberals despise the 1% unless it's the 1% of society that doesn't know what gender they are. Then that 1% is to be celebrated and everything is supposed to be done to them. This, to me, is infuriating. Yeah, you're, you're ruining, a, a, I don't know how, I think the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, I think they were started probably mid, what, 20th century? Um, 19, no, 1908. There have been around oh, 110. Boy Scouts, uh, Girl Scouts, I haven't checked. Boy Scouts began in 1908. They've been around 110 years. And Girl Scouts, I should know this because I went to Savannah, Georgia, which is where uh, the founder lived, but I think Girl Scouts, yeah, Girl Scouts came after Boy Scouts. But the reason I'm so fired up about this, is not specifically this issue. It's the fact that the left can't freaking leave anything alone. They have to ruin everything. They've got to go. But, but, but Amanda, this is Alinskyite. Let's tear down the most basic cultural institutions. Let's strike at the heart of Americanism, traditionalism, Judeo-Christian values. Let's just take it all away. And what better way to chip away at it than starting with the kids and their organizations? Well, I just hope that the free market prevails here and that someone comes up with some type of new organization that has two genders who are separate and that it thrives. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Perfect place to end this. Amanda Head, the Hollywood conservative, our fellow and most favorite new rebel. Thanks so much. Interesting stuff. Thanks, Amanda. Illegal immigration is up 233% on the southern border. Now, of course, the left 
is saying, oh, Donald Trump was a blowhard. He was all rhetoric. He was all talk, no action during the election. But no, not Donald Trump's fault. This is not me being an apologist for the president. It's the fault of liberal judges. This story from the Washington Times. Now, 75% of those apprehended get catch and release. And because liberal judges keep striking down tough immigration provisions, well, the smugglers and the illegals who want to come here know the game. Last year, nearly 39,000, this is from a Washington Times story, nearly 39,000 illegal immigrants were nabbed by the Border Patrol last month. Last month, the story was written uh, yesterday, May 3rd. So nearly 39,000 were grabbed by the Border Patrol last month, according to preliminary numbers. That's a 233% increase over April of 2017. The biggest year-over-year increase dating back a decade. Now, experts have said the increase is being driven by lax U.S. policies, and illegal immigrants have figured out ways to exploit them. So with catch and release, now think about this, about 30,000 of the 39,000 nabbed last month are going to be released and liberal judges continue to let it happen. Democrats want it to happen. Now, the uh, uh, Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, the Border Patrol Agents Union, said, quote, the reason is obvious. If you can cross the border illegally without any consequence, why not? As long as the catch and release program policy exists, Large numbers of people are going to cross the border illegally. And he estimated, Mr. John estimated, that nearly 30,000 of the 39,000 nabbed in April are going to be set free. Now, he went on to say, in quote, in 2017, and due to the rhetoric, we had fewer apprehensions than any year in the past 45 years. It was simply because people believed that if they crossed the border illegally, they would be held until their deportation hearing. Okay, so in 2017, crossings were way down. They believed that Trump was going to pass his agenda. They believed that people were going to, that were nabbed crossing the border illegally were going to do jail time or be sent back. They didn't try. But after a year of liberals blocking the president's agenda, Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, said, quote, smugglers, quick, smugglers quickly realized everything was status quo and they're once again recruiting people to enter our country illegally. Now, administration officials have acknowledged that they say they've ended administrative catch and release, which means they no longer have an official policy calling for some classes of illegal aliens to be released automatically. But there's no bed space. There's no detention space. There aren't enough Border Patrol officials. Congress, the neocons, the Democrats, they're still blocking the agenda. Vice President Mike Pence visited the border and he said Congress needs to step up and address this. Vice President Pence said, quote, whether it be the catch and release program or asylum policies that don't require people to stay in the first safe country in which they arrive, meaning Mexico, we're calling on Congress to work with us to bring about change. This is uh, absolutely horrible. Now, Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen said, quote, if you have an alarm in your home and you catch a burglar and you call the police and the police come, and in fact, it is an illegal entry into your home. But the police then tell you that they have absolutely no ability to detain or remove those criminals and the criminals stay in your house. You wouldn't tell me that's home security. And she goes on to tell Congress, we, meaning the Department of Homeland Security, we stop people, we interdict them, 
but we do not have the authority, given the loopholes in many cases, to detain and remove them. We are forced to release them back into the communities after they have committed crimes. Not Republicans, well, not conservatives who want that. You know who wants that? Jeff Flake wants that. Marco Rubio wants that. John McCain wants that. Susan Collins wants that. Lisa Murkowski wants Murkowski, look, we know the Democrats want this. The Democrats we see coming. It's the traitors within. It's the traitors within the Republican and conservative movement. This is disgraceful. And they go out there in the media, guys like Jeff Flake, an Arizona senator on the Arizona border, telling the world, I'm blocking Trump's agenda. He'll never get tough immigration policies. And he opens up Arizona's borders for illegal aliens. This is disgraceful beyond words. Look, the photo on this article should infuriate you. It's the uh, Central American migrants sitting on the border fence that they easily climbed, waving flags and signs, mocking the United States and mocking Donald Trump. And we're supposed to let these people into our nation and greet them with open arms. And then you've got moron liberals who volunteer with groups like La Raza and Pueblo Sin Fronteras who call it a beautiful sight, an act of love, an amazing thing. This isn't a beautiful sight. It's a damn invasion. It's an invasion. Did, did, did France and Holland think the Nazis goose-stepping through their territory was a beautiful sight? No, they were terrified. It was an invasion. We're being invaded by MS-13 gang members, narco-terrorists, Sinaloa cartel traffickers. These are bad people. These are bad people. It's the same narrative when they tell us, oh, the Syrian migrants are women and children. No, they're not. They're men of terror age. They're men, 18 to 45, Muslim men. This is ridiculous. What we've gotten to as a country and the liberals will not stop. They will not stop until they flood this nation, until they make it less safe and until they get these people registered to vote because that's all this is about. It's all it's ever been about. A vote schema for Democratic politicians. It's never been about anything but that. Votes for Democrats. All it's ever been about, it's all it ever will be about. But I'll tell you one thing. If we don't get serious, if we don't get serious, if we don't elect more hardcore conservatives in the midterms, in the midterms, this November, if we don't pick up seats in the House, pick up seats in the Senate, get our supermajority with real conservatives, not like Kurt Schlichter and I called them Fredo cons, Rhinos, neocons, the fake conservatives. If you don't mean to understand why we say Fredo Khan, Fredo Corleone, the brother and the godfather who was a traitor. Fredo cons. If we don't get serious and eliminate all of these spineless Republicans, man, this country is in very, very big trouble. 